to step up your self-care game? Best Buds makes a great addition to your routine. Best Buds is a premier manufacturer of federally compliant cannabis products. The products include Bud, CBD, oils, gummies, lotions, edibles, vape, pre-rolls, you name it. I love these products. If you live in Charleston, they will even bring them to your door. I have ordered stuff at like noon and there they are, like two hours later. I love the gummies. My, my typical routine is this. I do an oil in the morning and I do a, a gummy at night. If I want a little more oomph, I'll go with one of the Delta 8 gummies. If I just kind of mellowing out, one of the CBDs. The topicals are great for pulled muscles, especially if you're starting back up with a workout routine. Those topicals are amazing. And there's a beard oil that, uh, that smells really great. I don't have a beard, but I've smelled it. It's a great product. And you can go to bestbudsbff.com and use promo code YOGI10, Y-O-G-I-10, and get 10% off your purchase. Let's mellow it out this year, y'all. Hey friends, Jay Stephen Willard here. Another week, another there once was a yogi. Well, that didn't grammatically make sense, but we're gonna go with it. We have another returning champion this week in the form of Diane Bondi, who is an amazing yoga teacher based in uh, Canada. And she's joined me this week for a part of our series of how to practice parentheses exist in a dumpster fire. <laughs> and she is lit up. She is fiery and passionate and it was exactly what I needed. I've been talking with a lot of people and everyone is, a lot of people are just very calm and very measured, but Diane is like in there. She is like, <laughs> she is shouting specifically at some of y'all. I'm not going to say who, although I feel like if, if she's shouting at you, you probably are not listening to this podcast. I don't think that's part of my, my demographic, but uh, as always, I'll have in the show notes, her website and her Instagram where you can follow her and maybe practice with her. We talk a little bit about that, I believe. It's, it's hard to remember. But anyway, she's one of my favorite people, and I hope that you'll love this episode, and I will see you next time. All right. Returning champion, Diane Bondi. <laughs> How are you, Diane? Ding, 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 yes. ding. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm good. I am. I've been having a love affair. So my husband and I oh. went out to see uh, Elvis last night. Okay, I want to get your thoughts on that after you when you after you say what you're going to say. So I have thoughts and feelings about Elvis and cultural appropriation and all mm -hmm. kinds of feelings. Mm -hmm. And I was also surprised that it was Baz Luhrmann, Baz Luhrmann, who is a huge director. You might remember him from Moulin yeah. Rouge. Oh, I love his stuff. Yeah, Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. It has always such an interesting scope. It's almost like you might be a little high or something in parts of it because you're like, what's happening? You know, everything's right. there's right, right, the right. sped up parts that he does. Very Ballas Lerman. I just think he's got a really cool um, uh, 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 creative way and artistic way of telling a story. I think he's a great storyteller because what I've noticed about Baz Luhrmann is that he's really big on research. So that was the huge part. I'm actually going to talk about this in my own podcast, but that was, he did a lot of research around 
Elvis. Cause I'm like, okay, I want to see how this story is going to be told about Elvis white is kind man. of problematic. Yes, about a white man talking about another white man who rose to fame as the king. Let me do this in quotations for those of you who right. can't see me. The king of rock and roll for something he didn't actually discover, but something he very much profited from. And if we look at, you know, his influences and the people coming up around the same time, I had no idea he was friends with B.B. King. I had no idea oh. he went to see Little Richard in concert. I had no idea that he grew up, well, I knew he grew up in the South and I knew he grew up really poor. And I knew he, I did not know he grew up around black people. Like I didn't know that his dad had gone to prison for writing bad checks and that oh, he I didn't either. Yeah, him and his family ended up moving to a black neighborhood, living with uh, alongside poor black folks, and oh, his wow. friends growing up were all black. Oh, interesting. So that could be a slightly different pivot because I had this conversation with my hairdresser because there's a few hip art artists that are out. Wait, that's not your natural color. Uh, no, <laughs> purple. Uh, yes, yes, it is. Uh, what are you talking about? I just had her shape it. Just needed a little. <laughs> Just trim the ends. Just trim the ends. <laughs> and I said to her, because there's a there's a hip hop artist out there right now named uh, Jack Harlow. And I yes. was listening to him on the radio and I found I, I I thought he sounded like a black person. And then when I saw him, I was confused. And so <laughs> I said to my hairstylist, like, did you know Jack Harlow was white? And I said that to my kids. My son, my youngest son was like, obviously. And then my <laughs> oldest son was like, um, no, mom, you're right. He does, he does code black. Like he does code mm. black. And so then I'm wondering, and this is the thing, here's the parallels I'm gonna draw between these two things. I, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. He also grew up along um, in a very um, cultured and urban part of, I believe St. Louis. Um, no, 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 uh, Louisville, Kentucky. So if you grow up in the black community, and you have a lot of black friends. I think a lot of that culture rubs off on you and you can be attracted mm -hmm. to different types mm -hmm. of things. Like um, my hairdresser grew up in a part of Toronto where every, it was a lower income part and everybody was all colors all together. She said it was literally the United Nations and they had this one friend named Wayne and they called him White Wayne, but White <laughs> Wayne hung out with the black folks. I know, I know. What, I'm laughing, Diane. Do not Diane. at me. Yes. Yeah, I am. The reason I am laughing is because I grew up as White Steven. Well, was White Steve then, because from uh, the part of town I grew up in was also like the lower, uh, lower mid income, yeah. yep. uh, probably from like third grade through high school. I went yep. to predominantly like probably I would say like 75, 25 uh, okay. predominantly black schools. And so... Uh -huh. All my friends, all my friends were black. White kids, white boys, especially, could not stand me. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was the funny. I was funny. I wore glasses, yeah. and so, yeah. and yes, that's very true. Like I only listened to R and B and rap when it came out, and so yes, so this was I. That's why I laughed because if I, the only yearbook I have ever kept is my senior uh, yearbook, my high school senior yearbook. And almost mm -hmm. every uh, entry is like white Steve or to <laughs> the coolest white guy I know, the funniest is, white guy I know. Wait, wait, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. And I guess back in that 
time, and this is right before, this is well before the civil rights movement, there were white kids in those poor neighborhoods going into like black revival churches and in the black community. And so, yeah, so his connection is slightly different than I understood it to be. I'm still thinking he's, I still need to unpack my feelings around this. I still have a problem with him capitalizing on that sound mm. and my husband will always say to me you know he hired black um artists to work with him you know he didn't approve of segregation blah 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 and i'm like he, yeah but yeah. he gets to be called the king of something he didn't create and that's my problem i think well so i haven't seen the movie yet but you're the second person literally in 24 hours to talk to me about this movie so clearly i need to go see it this weekend you need to go see uh, it i think it will yeah. make you think well, number one, I didn't even know Elvis was problematic until Public Enemy uh, Fight the Power came out. Like in, what was that, 1988 or something Whatever like that? Whatever that was, yeah. And, mid yeah, like, sure. yeah. I remember hearing it and I, then I was like, oh my God, I don't, yes, I understand. But I also too, again, having not seen the movie and just, I, I don't know a lot about Elvis. You know, how much was he actually in control of his own life? Because you factor yeah. in the the drug yeah. issue and the, what's his name? The, guy, the guy, yeah. yes. Yeah. And like, how much did he really, how much say did he even really have over anything? And, and for so long, I saw him as this massive icon and the mm-hmm. movie strips him of that and presents him mm-hmm. as a human being. And so now I have a new, I don't want to say oh, interesting. I have a better understanding. And so now I'm doing all my research around, you know, what's true, what's not true. Because the whole time I'm sitting in the movie, I'm like, how much of this is rewriting history? Yeah. And how much of this is actually true? Yeah. Because everybody um, now knows how a lot of people feel around Elvis being problematic. So how much of this movie is to try to change the narrative, whether it's true or not. Right. So I'm going to do my research because I'm I'm now torn. I still think he's problematic, but he had a tragic life, to be honest. Like, yeah, I didn't realize he was so young when he died. 42. 42. Why? I remember I was seven years old when Elvis died in 1977 and I was washing dishes in the sink, helping my mother wash dishes and he died. My mother went, (gasps) right? That whole dramatic reaction. And I was like, eh, I never liked Elvis anyway. And my mother hit me (laughs) when I said that, you know, it was the seventies. It was the seventies, you know, people smacked their kids in the seventies. It was different. Children weren't precious yet. Children didn't get no, precious yeah. till like the 90s. And I grew up black, black and West Indian, and they, <laughs> they beat their children all the time. Sorry if I you're was, in a uh, again, don't at me if you're West Indian, right. that doesn't beat your kid. But back in the 70s, that was the deal. <laughs> I was nine when he died, and I can remember my mom crying, and like and that kind of freaked me out because I didn't know like what was happening. Yes, um, like it was a major blow, and my mother was like yeah. ah! in the kitchen. I was like, "What did the world end?" What? Well, and, I think, and we'll get my seven-year-old like, mind. We'll get into the topic at hand in just a second, but I, I that brings up an interesting thing because you know it's I guess because you and I are, are around the same age. Yeah. It has only been with like a lot of like iconic people passing in the last, I don't know, 10 years where, um, yeah. where you know, where you're yeah. like, <gasps> like, I, yeah. like when, when, when Michael Jackson died, I remember thinking like, whoa. What is the ones that like, Yeah, the ones that really like, that I actually cried over were Whitney, 
Uh, oh, yeah, yes, very much so. Uh, I was devastated for a full six months with Prince. Alan, my husband had tell me I need to get over myself. I'd oh, lay up around what... cry listening to his music. Honest to God, he's so, like, okay, six months is enough. <laughs> this, this, this might be funny or, or sad, I don't know. Uh, so I teach a, well, I, I, I taught it this past New Year's Eve. I teach a New Year's Eve night class. And uh, obviously I didn't get to do it for a couple of years. And so, you know, uh, if you know anything about me, you know, I have a, a slight enthusiasm for the Golden Girls. Um, and so New Year's Eve night, I love that. Betty, White, Betty White died. I know, I was shocked. So I showed up to teach and uh, this one woman goes, oh, I really didn't know if you were going to be here tonight. And I was mm -hmm. like, why? She's like, well, Betty White. I said, well, she was 100. It's sad, mm -hmm. but she was 100. It is. And exactly. um, my housemate uh, was with me and she goes, however, when something happens to Cher or Dolly Parton, you will probably not see Steven for a few days. <laughs> and I'm There's like, you're some people, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially if it's before there are a hundred. Keeping in mind that Cher is in her 80s. I know, I know. But it, but I think what it is, and it's probably the reaction, the reason your mom and my mom had those reactions is it was like childhood and youth. Like when Whitney, yes. like Whitney yeah. was the first yeah. diva that was mine, you know, as a gay man, yes. because everyone yes. else was inherited, you know, Barbara, yes. blah, blah, blah. Yes. And yes. Liz Aretha and... But Whitney yeah. was like the first one that I, I can remember when You Give Good Love came out. Yeah, it came out. Can, you knew where you were. Yeah. I remember yeah. her singing Home on the Merv Griffin show. Yes. Merv and then Griffin, all the way through the Bobby Brown years. I and know. That she dated very Eddie Murphy for five tour. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember all and so that. It was like, I was obsessed. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, so I think with it, it's that. And um, yeah, so it's just very interesting. Well, let's jump into it. Let's jump into the dumpster <laughs> fire that is the world. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, is a very really broad scary. question, but I've been yeah. leading with all the interviews. What's your current mood? Yeah. Um, confused. Confused mm. and scared is my current mood. Mm. Um, but what was really interesting to me again from this movie was the dumpster fire that was going on at the time that Elvis was alive. There was the, right. the assassination of Martin Luther King, right? And then like six months later, there was the assassination of Senator uh, Robert Kennedy, who was on mm -hmm. the campaign tour. Um, there was all this violence going on in the world. There was a civil rights movement going on all at the same time. So I keep telling myself, these are cyclical events that keep happening. Right. However, let me just put the however, the disclaimer, the rolling back of people's rights is the thing that scares the shit out of me in yeah. that in all those other situations when there was unrest and a lot of violence going on in the world, people were gaining traction because of that, right? right. The civil rights movement, people were, you know, we got um, the Voting Right Act passed, like we ended segregation, right? Black people were only starting to be perceived as humans as opposed to three-fifths of a human or whatever people thought we were. So that, the tide was changing in those ways around, you know, um, civil rights movement. And I think, was it Lyndon B. Johnson who was talking about, we cannot, you know, things are still good in, in America. This violence is like temporary. These are things that we have to address. And that's something that he had said at the time. 
And that was like 1968, right? So right. every 30 years or so, we cycle back through this. So let's jump forward 30 years to 1998. So from 94 to 98, we had Rodney King, we had O.J. Right. Simpson, we had the, the LIPD who was, you know, being tried in the court of public opinion and in the courts, although they were getting acquitted. We have a lot of violence mm -hmm. going on. We had a lot of unrest, but people's rights were not being rolled back. And the right. rolling back of Roe v. Wade opens the door for a whole lot of other things. And that is what scares the shit out of me. 100%. And you know, it, it was Pride weekend also. And yeah. uh, in yeah. a lot of cities, uh, Charleston included. And I, and I didn't participate in any Pride. I have, I have a very complicated relationship with Pride. Um, but, um, but I remember uh, talking to a few friends who were going in. I'm like, you bitches better be carrying some Roe v. Wade signs. I said, because if y'all don't think that we're next. You, you are definitely are next. Us. You are the next down there. Oh. And then I'm waiting for them to reinstate slavery. Because, you know, any of those amendments Diane. to the Constitution are yeah. in jeopardy. Your privacy is in jeopardy. You're exactly. And it's, you know, I remember I saw a meme um, recently that was like, uh, I know they say history repeats itself, but damn, do, does it need to all happen in the same year? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, yeah. We don't, because we don't learn. We don't learn. Right. And, and, you know, what I want to reach out. That's it. We get apathetic, complacent, or we're coerced into believing that this is just the way things are and that there's nothing we can do to change anything. And, you know, this was coming for a long time. This is a coercion yeah. that is told to us by a lot of folks. And we have known in the past that when we speak yeah. up and speak out, if you look down to what was happening in, I believe, Sri Lanka, when they stormed the mm -hmm. palace last week, mm -hmm. that's the kind, they can't kill it. I know this, I don't want to sound cavalier, but they can't take us all down. Like we all right. need to come together right. and push back against this instead of just like throwing our hands up in the air and going, oh, well, and, and, you know, 60% of the abortions that are done in, I'm going to say North America, because I'm guessing the statistics here in Canada are the same, are white women who are having abortions. And this is a numbers yes. game. This is a numbers yes. game, right? In terms of whiteness or, or, or white culture, um, fearing becoming the um, nomical or the losing their majority in numbers, right? Mm, so all of mm. this is back to the browning of North America. And to mm. be fair to everybody, North America has always been brown. Do you remember the indigenous yes. people who were here first? Hello. Hello, Hello. they are not white folks, <laughs> right? I mean, that's like so if I show up at your house, Diane, and just like put write my name on your mailbox. Like that's essentially I now live here. I found right. this house right. on the corner. I'm pulling in, I'm moving in. But you know, Diane, the thing with the Roe v. Wade that is also so infuriating is yeah. that uh, rich and most likely white women uh, will yeah, continue sure to women. be able to get access safe. to abortion care. Yeah, they'll call it something else, but it, that, that will yeah. continue to happen. Um, have you, because it's interesting when I was talking to another uh, uh, internationally known teacher, uh, about um, when uh, I am I am merely, as Jinx Monsoon says, internationally tolerated. 
Um, oh, but <laughs> I remember when she said that on Drag Race. I was like, not true. I love you. You're not telling exactly. me. But um, we were talking about social media and how you know she had posted something on on the day you know it officially was overturned, and like the comments section was lit up. Have you have you experienced any of that uh, on your own? Um, my comments have been lit up, but not by conservative white Christians who are trying to tell me that um, they're, that <laughs> the choices I make with my body is their business. So mm. my comments have been lit up on the on the posts that I I've posted have had you know well over ten comments. I'm just kidding, well over hundred <laughs> comments or so, um, and lots of shares on that because any negative pushback though. Um, one or two, uh, which I questioned, and then they mm -hmm. spouted some, um, okay, I'm going to offend people here, some religious bullshit. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, you know what, I defend your right to believe whoever you want to believe and to pray whatever God you want to pray to. But I'm tired of people pushing their religion on me. I don't care what your magical book says about anything. Okay, right. I people were not here at the time of concept, conception. In America, you don't get time off. You don't you don't if you don't have health care, you can be on the hook for a hundred thousand dollar bill Easy. to have a kid. Yeah. Plus, they don't give you time off. Plus, there's no daycare. Plus, 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 plus. What is the incentive to have children? And in other countries of the world, they actually incentivize having children. Like here in Canada, mm. you have a year off paid. You can have 18 months off, but the last six months is unpaid. So if you can afford that, you can take it. You can split the paternal leave or parental leave with your spouse if you want wow. to. So you can take six months and your spouse can take six months and you get paid. It comes out of, you know, our unemployment insurance. Your employer has to hold your job for you while you were gone. And your employer also has to give you the option to come back part time. So all of mm. these things are incentivized for people to have babies. If right. I wasn't going to be able to have access to health care or daycare or time off, I don't know that I would have had a child. If I had, you know, right. so many of my friends were like, in the States were like, I have six weeks um, parental leave. And I'd be like, I'm sorry. Yeah. For those of you who haven't had children, your brain is still scrambled at six weeks. Okay. Your baby is still a newborn at six weeks. Yes. And if you are nursing your child, if you are feeding your child from your body, you've only figured that out at the six week point. You've spent mm. six weeks trying to figure out how to feed this kid and to, how to learn to learn who you are as a parent now, because you're your whole, you know, your whole personality and your role and your identity now has changed from being a singular person walking through the world only caring about what you need to care about for yourself. And now you are fully responsible for someone else. And how can you force that on somebody? Well, there's adoption. Yeah, but that's not a good enough reason. And who am I to say to you what you can, what you can and cannot do to in your body, like with your body? It is none of my business. And I have to say to people, if you don't believe in abortion, that's fine. That is your personal belief. Then don't have one. For the rest of us, mind your own business. How is this any mm -hmm. of your concern? It's very interesting to me how, uh, and this is, I think, <clears throat> happened in the States over the last, over the course of the last, I don't know, four decades or something like that, of where, you know, quote, cultural issues have become uh, political movements. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it's like, I, I can't remember it, it's some, some pundit that I heard that 
basically said the same thing. Like, if you don't, if you don't believe in abortion, don't get an abortion. Don't, don't believe in same-sex marriage. Don't marry they someone don't of marry. the same sex. And, yeah, don't get married. But it, yeah, and it's, um, I don't know, it's very, <sighs> I, I saw this a lot after uh, he who we don't name uh, was elected. Yeah, oh, him, um, yes. <laughs> uh, like how many women, you know, voted for him? Uh, but it also Let's be clear, white me, women, white women. Yes, white clear. women, white Let's women. But you know, it, it, it was surprising, but not surprising because I uh, am also very familiar with log cabin Republicans who right. were, you right. know, Romney, McCain, W supporters. And to me, it's fascinating when people align with a group that is against their own interests and i don't mean own interest in like a it. i don't understand it uh and by own interest i just mean your basic rights and your ability to exist safely in a world like i'm not saying your own interests like <laughs> you know whatever your tax breaks your tax cuts right right right, right. so it's right and but then also diane so and i think we might have talked about this last time is it was fascinating the percentage of those people, and I will lump men in with it as well, that <laughs> were that are in the yoga community. Oh, I don't understand. I don't understand how you can go through the eight limbs of yoga and not see the contradiction mm -hmm. in 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 the nonviolence of the community, in the connection of community. In right. Like, I don't, I am slowly but and we're surely. We're not even using We're not even using violence in this sort of vague, esoteric yeah. manner no. anymore. We're talking no. actual violence. Actual violence. Actual violence. Gun reform. Actual violence. Mm -hmm. You know, I am slowly but surely divesting from the yoga community. I am not, I'm always gonna teach yoga. I will probably always run teacher trainings because I think it's important to have a teacher training with the lens of social justice, right? Yes, and to 100%. teach, you know, for folks who um, aren't, are traditionally excluded communities. Like I will always do that. However, I'm not interested in engaging with these folks in the yoga community who clearly don't understand what it means to be in community with others and how community care is a part of the philosophy of yoga. That people get to judge and choose what I get to do um, mm -hmm. or participate in political parties that are clearly in favor of white supremacy. Like they're not even pretending anymore. They're not even hiding it anymore. Um, I don't understand how you can make those connections. And that makes me um, upset and nervous, right? I love, yeah. I love my community, but my community is carefully curated because there's a lot of folks out right. there that I have run into that where I'm like, what the actual F? Like you, yeah. like, have you done any, any self-study? Have you done mm. any reading? Are you paying attention to anything going on in the world? Because you, having your head in your ass is not a pose that's cute. Like, it's just not <laughs> something that we need to be doing. Yeah. Head up the ass that, is not an asana pose. It is not an asana pose. And that, you know what? We, we, you and I spoke briefly about this before we started recording. And I think this is a great way to go right back into it. Because I've had that same feeling 
you know, I've never really felt like I've uh, fit into the, uh, <laughs> we did this earlier, yoga community, again, with air quotes. Yeah, in quotes, um, air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I've always felt like, you know, a square in a round in hole. A round there. Peg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's also been interesting over the last couple of years. I have a few friends that are, you know, just like what you just said, literally, uh, I'm going to continue to teach in some capacity, but I yeah. am not calling myself a yoga teacher anymore. So no. I'm like, whoa. I, whoa. So I don't want to be lumped together with those other folks. Right. And so let's talk a little bit about the, you and I both agree that it's really more of a field at this point than a community, but, yeah. but let's just, let's yeah. just take the quotes yeah. off a of community for a minute. Okay. And because I think that this is something that maybe some practitioners and teachers are maybe still struggling with, even though I feel like, excuse me, I feel like within, in the last two years, there's some way you should have figured out how to meld this of uh, social justice and activism walking hand in hand with yoga and meditation. Mm -hmm. I think so many people are still sort of seeing those as separate things when they're really, mm -hmm. I mean, for fuck's sake, oh, I was mm -hmm. say I was going to try to work on my cursing, but it happens. Yoga no, is, cursing is, union. Good. <laughs> yoga is no union. Yoga is Yoga is to yoke. Uh, yeah. So why wouldn't you bring these things together? Uh, will you speak a little bit about? Yeah, as a, uh -huh. it was, it, as it's a teacher. very interesting as a teacher. As a, <laughs> um, yeah, I find it really interesting that people want to divide it, and it it comes back to the cultural appropriation of yoga, because mm. the cultural appropriation of yoga only focuses on one eighth of the entire system, right? It's it only true. focuses on the asana, right? I teach yoga at the gym and the amount of times I have to tell my gym participants, this is an eighth of what we are learning yoga. And to be clear, even though you are dying and sweating and struggling in asana because you want to work out, and I'm putting that in quotes, this right. is the easiest part of the practice. The asana is the easiest part of the practice because you can choose what asana pieces that you're going to do. You can choose, you know, when you spend time on your mat, you can choose how you want to show up to your mat. The other parts of asana, which asks you to show up in the world, most of us do not have a choice about. As mm -hmm. a black person who is raising two young black men, I don't have a choice in not showing up in community with others. I do not have a choice to not call out injustice as part of such a truth. I don't have a choice in any of these things. If right. I do not show up in my community, who's going to do it? Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are not looking out for each other in the way that I thought the yoga community should be. And a lot yes. of the misinformation, a lot of the people who were like part of the insurrection on January 6th, who are part of the yoga community is terrifying. It just, mm -hmm. it reminds me of, and, and again, people will be pissed. It, it just reminds me of how clueless people actually are, how people can't do their own research, how people can't see the patterns of, of history and decide what side of history do you want to be on? And the mere shock of these people when the police roll up at their house and arrest them. Like, yeah. you know what right. I mean? And right. Like, what did you think? It's a coup. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Like, honestly, and the, and the belief, and to put your faith in somebody who has never shown anybody that they're a decent human being. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. 
he's always been exactly who he is and we've seen it on TV and yet you think he's going to stand up for you. And now right. that the um, the January 6th um, you know, committee has been unpacking a lot of things, we're seeing the rats running from a sinking yes. ship. Yes, yes, 100%. And it, well, all you, these you know, people think, who ask for a presidential pardon if you ask for a pardon you should go on trial because what have you done that you need a pardon cause, for because you know you've done some shit if you ask for a pardon but shady, I think that, shady shit so I, I can't remember who had this conversation with the other day but you know it kind of goes into the that saying diane of like you uh, an issue shouldn't have to affect you for you to care about it exactly and I, and thank you think, yeah and i think that you know if you to look at me just as a, a, on the surface, uh, I uh, I come across as a cisgender white male. That brings a lot of privilege, and totally. I can say I can say that I have never been pulled over and had a thought. Or if about, you have, you weren't fearing for your life when it was happening. No, I've been pulled over. I've been pulled over, but I've never yeah. been pulled over and had that thought of like, oh shit, this could be it. I'm gonna die. Today's right. the end of my life. Right. <laughs> But when you add in the the queer factor, the non-binary sure. factor, all that privilege is stripped away. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't mean I care any less about women and their right, yeah. you know, yeah. BLM. But it's a, I think it's just that thing that I, I was talking to someone and I said, you know, the two groups that I have realized um, activate me and really put me in a place of having to practice for cisgender white men, cisgender straight white men, and quote, Christians. I do believe there are some unquote Christians. I do believe there's yeah. a small number of those. Yeah. But for the most part, and I always say, like, are you a Jesus Christian or a, tr a Trump Christian? Because those are very yeah. different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think, Jesus, you know, Jesus was a hippie, right? Like, right. Right. Like you wouldn't have liked him. He would right? have had a long, what y'all are doing. Like, exactly. He would have had a long beard. He would have been hanging out with the non-binary folks talking about, you would not like him. If you met him, and he's he not going to be, and he was brown. You know, you wouldn't have liked him. And he would have been talking about loving everybody and hanging out with people you don't think he should be hanging out with. If you met Jesus today and you may have met him already, you wouldn't even, you know what I mean? You, right. you wouldn't have liked him. You would have persecuted him again. One day I'll it, tell you about the sitcom idea I had uh, called That's Jesus, but it was actually pronounced That's Jesus. Jesus, yes. <laughs> because when he came back, no one believed he was Jesus because he was a brown person that came back. Um, anyway, um, anyway, that's a good sitcom. You should shop yeah, that around. Yeah, um, yeah, you should shop so that I idea. So I think, unfortunately, so especially in the West, particularly, and probably in in Europe as well, um, the Europe, sure. mm -hmm. the majority of our yoga folks are those things, and. And I will, it, it is, when I meet someone who, you know, challenges my position on that, like if I, when I have a conversation with a cis straight white male and I'm like, oh, they're not all, like it's, you know, it's humbling. And, yeah. you know, then you have like this sliver of hope. Um, yeah. But it's, how do we, how do we not let these, our biases mm -hmm. come onto the mat when we lead a room? Yeah, that's a hard one. 
That's a hard one. And I, I'm going to tell you this. I think sometimes, sometimes I'm going to put an asterisk next to these. Sometimes a self-serving bias is okay, right? We're always talking mm. about let go of the ego. I'm like, yeah, but an ego is a big part of who we are. And, yes. and for me, right, we can't separate it, ourselves from that. It's what gets you into the shower uh, every day. It's what gets you out of the house. Yeah, your ego is not totally. It's not yeah. totally something we need to be like, oh, it's terrible, right? Right. I think when our ego becomes um, more self-serving, then we have yes. a problem, right? And so I know that I have bias and I say it all the time. And I really want to believe, and I always ask people to challenge me on this, that my bias sits in a place where I'm actually looking out for the collective. So I might mm -hmm. see a, a white dude in my class and make some judgments. And then I have to go and talk to them to see if my judgments <laughs> right. are real. Right. And the problem, and the thing for me as a black person, I can't identify who the people are who support the former terrorist who was running things in America or the people who support the current administration, right? So I don't know who's who. So I err on caution because I can't put myself in danger's way because right. I am, I said to my friend, heaven forbid I should be somewhere and a Karen comes for me. <laughs> Today is not the day and I am not the not one. The one. <laughs> I am not, you need to find somebody else. And so I don't know who these people are. I wish they, you know, there was something identifying about them. Like they had a strip of gray hair or something, like somewhere where I could see right away. <laughs> Maybe if they would just wear the rebel flag as a belt buckle, then I'd be like, yes, I don't need to be oh, on that. <laughs> oh, right I just don't need I need to know who those people are so I can avoid them I am not interested in hearing their perspective on anything I'm not interested in engaging any of that because they're here for my oppression right, right. if we right. can be together and I can lift both of us up I'm interested but if your freedom lies in my oppression I don't I'm not interested in hearing what you have to say I'm exactly not, I'm not I'm just not I don't I, care you I had an interesting business. exactly be gone I had a very interesting conversation uh, last month, uh, a, a, a church not far from me, um, who I've become friendly with the, the minister who reached out to me, which I which was also very That's astounding. Cool. And cool. uh, so, yeah, it was very cool. And so Pride Month, he uh, posted a, uh, <clears throat> a scripture from Psalms. I can't remember what it was. And then like a very affirming, uh, LGBT affirming mm -hmm. caption, like, you know, I we just that. want you blank church wants you to know that you are loved you are welcome blah 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 and of course the the comment section lit up oh, and, that's what I, and I in the comments <laughs> right and i had i had made myself this promise a couple of years ago that i was going to stop fighting in comment sections yeah. especially with people yeah especially with people i don't know yeah however <laughs> however <laughs> i get it me and this guy are kind of going at it Oh, and God. then I finally said, look, I'm not doing this in comments. Yeah. I, I, I'm officially disengaging. So then he he said, well, would you be willing to have an actual conversation? And I was like, so we set up a Zoom outside of the comment section. And I, we, I don't think the needle was moved 
for either oh, of us. Okay. All right. But we There's had a thing. conversation of where I was like, you know, here's the thing. And because he, he was yeah. you know, giving me the shit that, you know, he has a gay brother, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that and, doesn't uh, mean anything. Right. And I'm like, but you, okay, so you say you love this brother, but you are supporting a system that sees your brother as less than, as deviant, yeah. as yeah. damaged, as worthy yeah. of death. Like, yeah. this is the system you support. Yeah. And, and again, I don't know that the needle was moved. We haven't had a follow-up conversation. Um, but I think if, if people, like I said earlier, it, it, it shouldn't have to affect you for you to care. Yeah. But also at the same accord, you, you know someone that is affected by all this. Yeah. If we were, listen, we, we now officially all know someone affected by the Roe v. Wade decision. We do. You all know someone affected by the stripping away of women's rights. Your sister, your, your, your daughter. Yeah, yeah, you know someone. And how are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah. How are you okay with that? And it goes back to what you said about it doesn't have to affect me directly to care, right? Like it goes right. all the way back to that. And it's really interesting to me for the 53% of white women who voted for the previous administration um, the first time, and then the 55% of white women who voted for the previous administration the second time, to me, it's like literally punching yourself in the face. And then for those people to be surprised at the rolling back of Wade and the stacking of the Supreme Court and all those things to find that surprising tells me that there's a cognitive dissonance or that there's a lack of understanding of how government works. And I always tell people in any of my conversations I have or any of my public speaking I have, the president has the power for eight years. Okay. Yeah. And it's, you know, the people that you need to be more concerned with are your senators and your Congress people because yes. they can be there for 20 or 30 years. Look at Auntie Maxine Waters. She's been in office since the 90s. So they have the ability to really shape and shift policy. And you need to know who those local state representatives are. I don't understand how you could vote for Josh Hartley. I don't understand how you can vote for, um, name them, name any of them. Right, um, right, you know, right. Any of them, any of them. You know what? I used to despise um, Mitch McConnell. Mitch, well, I still despise Mitch McConnell. And uh, Mitch Romney. Oh, Mitch, 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 Mitch Romney. Yeah. I used to despise him when he was running against Barack Obama. I thought if he becomes president, the whole world is going to be over. He seems like a perfectly fine candidate now. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. Or even George W. He was like, you know why he's come out of hiding? Because prior to the dumpster fire that everybody let run the country, uh, you know, in the previous administration, let's just call him 45. Previous yes. to 45, George W. Bush was the worst president anybody was the ever worst. Had. Exactly, exactly. And now he seems mild. Right, right. Not scary. Yeah, it really is. And I think that- We're not um, learning. It's getting we're worse. We're not learning. I, I, talked to, uh, I, I talked to someone earlier today and uh, he was saying how, you know, like, uh, you know, dumpster fire isn't necessarily a bad thing because things are transformed in the fire. Like maybe this will be blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know, it's like, I, that's a great hope. I said, but let's just look at events in our lifetimes. You know, we, yeah. those of us that are, you know, let's say, in the 50 last 50 years. Yeah, in the last 50 years. 
we've had lots of things that have happened that have given us opportunities to have important, uh, maybe painful conversations. Yeah. We've had, you know, we've had 9-11, we've had mm. countless shootings at this point. Uh, we've had so many opportunities to have conversations with groups that are othered and targeted, and we've not done it. And so it, it, I don't have a lot of optimism that, that something's going to transform in this, this fire. Unless people are ready to like march and fight and vote. And right. I need the generation. I need the millennial generation, which is a larger generation than the baby boomers. Just so you yes. know, by about 2 million folks. I want you to remember how much impact that, that the boomer generation has had. How many things mm. that they were in charge of creating and systematically, you know, building in that generation. I want you to look at the sheer numbers. One thing that is guaranteed above also about the boomer generation is that they vote. Like yeah. they vote no matter what. Yeah. And then millennials somehow are, you know, you know, disenfranchised from the system. You know, they feel like voting is not usually doing anything and they you know they right they, they don't participate and that's the generation that can really shift things if we wanted them shifted and then the new gen uh, z that's coming up and i think they're all pretty much coming into voting age around now right they're in yeah. that window yeah. and those are the people we have to empower to become more politically active because they have the numbers to actually shift some stuff right and you and i in the forgotten generation of the gen x the smallest yeah. generation the yeah, last kids we've always been showing up <laughs> but our numbers don't don't help us you know right push an agenda that serves all of us and just because i always like to prop up my folks they're the largest voting block of people who have always looked out for women's rights are black women right yes. we saw that vote we saw that vote where you had i don't know if it was alabama or louisiana some kind of child predator yes who was alabama holes on the horse yeah 96 percent of black women voted him out and like 94 percent of black men meanwhile there's all these other people out there going i don't care if he's a child molester or whatever he can run for office i'm like what is wrong with you? Like, do you not see what this means? Do you not understand humanity? Just because he didn't molest your child. <laughs> That's mean... the thing. They drop your kid off at his office for the day. Yeah, exactly. If you don't mind <laughs> it, yeah, let him watch your kid. Hell, let him watch your grandkids if you're okay with it. <laughs> right, like, I right. don't understand, folks. This idea of collective community care has to, has to come into play. The rugged mm -hmm. individualism is what is going to be the end of humanity. Only looking out for number one, because you hired a dude who was a total grifter, who lined his pockets at the top, and still some of his Republican cronies are still saying, well, if he runs again, I'll vote for him. Who was that? Bill Barr, I think, who said that? Yes, Seriously. yes. And I then know. look at Senator Lindsey Graham. He had a really lovely career. And I honestly think Lindsey Graham doesn't want to be outed, which is why he is I'm like, we're in a we're in a world now, Lindsay, where it's okay, right? Like it's okay to come out. We right. it's the worst kept secret, Lindsay. It's the worst it's, kept it's secret. It's the worst. I was just about to say that, Diane. I was just, just about to say on. that. Um, come on. 
Uh, let's let's slightly shift gears here a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It, should, is there a point? Is there a point to practicing in this in this time? Yeah, there's always a point to practicing, right? There's uh, to me in this time, there's a point to practicing, and there's still a point to teaching. If you actually are going to teach the philosophy of yoga from its historic roots, right? Do it's you think that you? Uh, quick sidebar. Do you yeah. think that you can? Do you think that you can teach it just as a, let's say not a workout, but as maybe just a physical stress reliever? Can you? No, I wouldn't call no? it yoga then. I would call mm. it intentional movement. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. like, I agree with that. I, I, I can't teach that. it without the philosophy. I can't strip right. it of its philosophy, which is often when you see me teaching things like joyful intentional movement, I right. just want to move and not really think about stuff. I want to get out yeah. of my head where I spend a ton of time. Yeah. I spend I a, a lot like of that. time in my head. I like it there. So it's not a yeah. problem, but I, I spend a lot of time in there. And sometimes I need people to get out of their heads and into their bodies. And I just need a break from the constant trauma that is right. the world. So right. for that, I don't like to use yoga as an escapism, right? Or purely for sensatory um, practices. So mm -hmm. I will do something else. So you'll see me, you know, do, you see my yeah. bike in the back here. You'll see me ride my bike or you'll I see do, me, yeah. you know, walk or, you know, I just started running again, but I will do those things to just kind of get out of my head and get into my body. But when I come to the mat, it's for the purpose of awareness and consciousness. Mm. And I have to have people be conscious of their actions, mm. conscious of their breath, conscious of their impact around the people around them. It is about raising our consciousness and helping as yoga teachers, to quote mm. my yoga teacher, Dr. Gail Parker, it's a very powerful position to be a yoga teacher. It is our yeah. job to help shift and shape consciousness, which is scary because some of us are deeply unconscious of our impact. Indeed. What, so. amen. what philosophy, is there, is there, hmm, how do I want to put this? Uh, is there a user-friendly philosophy that you weave through your class? Uh, yeah, I'm always, I'm always asking people, the theme of every class I ever teach is always, come as you are, use what you have, and do what you can. And that, I think, is a good philosophy for life. Come into the situation exactly as you are and understand who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Understand your point of perspective, understand your privilege, understand the people who are around you and what perspective they step into the world as. Be aware of that. So that's a come as you are. So everybody gets to show up in their own authentic self. But in that space, they also have to be in relationship. This is the union part with the mm. other folks in community. Yes, come as you are. yes. Use because you're you you doing it in embodied practice. Exactly. Use what you have. So if you have privilege to order in order to help other folks who have been traditionally excluded or marginalized, then use that privilege to move the yes. conversation forward. If you have a platform, use that platform to move the conversation forward. If you're a, a public speaker like me, you like to get out there and call shit out, then call shit out, <laughs> march, do whatever it is you need to do. But use what you have, right? So come as you are, use what you have, do what you can. And mm. that's my very simple philosophy. Do what you can. Don't go by and go, well, you know, 
that's really too bad. I wonder what I could buy an Amazon Prime Day. No, 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 no. Okay, like get involved in some kind of way if you want to make change. And the very easiest and smallest thing that you should be able to do to make change is vote, people. Yeah. Your grandparents yes. are always going to go to the poll. And, and it's for, literally always. the easiest thing you can do. That's the smallest thing that you can do. Thing you can do. That has the biggest impact. And I think Barack Obama once said, like, you would let your grandma pick out your clothes for you, would you? <laughs> why are you going to let her pick out the people who are going to shape policy that's going to affect your life for years? Because the overturning of Roe v. Wade has implications for the rest of our lives. For the and rest I don't of our think lives. Those, those people should be impeached because they lied. Exactly. Exactly. Amy Barrett Cohen nut job. They all, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. They all said, no, 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 that's precedent. That's case law. That's da, 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 da. They openly lied about that. And yes, then Clarence exactly. Thomas, dude, your wife is an insurrectionist. She was part of that whole stop the steal campaign. And yet you get to continue to sit on the Supreme Court bench. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. But you know, Diane, I, I think know. it's. I think in some ways, what's interesting now, because when you were speaking earlier about uh, you know the late '60s, there's a really great um, documentary that came out. I think it must have come out in 2020. That's all about the the year 1968. Uh, I think it was on CNN. Uh, like it's a five part thing. And um, yeah, it's really it was really good. But like I, I remember watching it because there was a lot of crazy shit. That was happening, uh, you know, the Manson family, uh, like there's lots of stuff. And I remember watching the assassination like, of leaders, like there was a lot yes, going on. Yes, exactly. There was a lot was going like, on. Vietnam. 68 stuff, what, like, yeah. but in, in some oh, weird way, it was kind of yeah. comforting because it was like, oh, shit's always Things been wild. Changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but however, like in 68, you only had three channels. Uh, the news oh. only came on really once a day because the morning right. shows didn't really count, only they came on at six. Really. Yeah. So you had a very limited view. Yeah. Now we've got this view of where we're seeing the hypocrisy. We're seeing the, the lies. And, and lies. when shit is brought to light, I mean, at some point it, it has to be brought to change because I, I said this recently to a, I said this to a young friend of mine who's, uh, who's trans and obviously very nervous and upset. And I was totally. like, listen, I said, one thing that I know is that as hard as people fight to get rights, we will fight five times harder to keep them. I hope so yeah. I do think, but unfortunately, I do think we're going to have to get to the push and shove part before. I'm with you on that. Like, I love Michelle Obama. She's one of my heroes. And I often I say go media. I go middle. I don't go high. I go middle. You know what? I like, you know, <laughs> here's where I'm at now in this world because going high doesn't seem to be working with the Republicans. When they go low, we go lower. That is right. my new, right? We fight fire with fire because right. no one, they're, they're getting away with so much and everybody's yeah. just turning a blind eye. And if this, you know, uh, January 6th commission committee doesn't indict all these folks, it's just a playbook for the next time this happens. Oh, because if there is no repercussion, <laughs> we are done. Democracy is finished in America, and then the rest of the world falls after. 
Ex right. And I don't think people realize the, the heaviness of that. Um, all right. So I want to wrap up with three questions. I have three questions for this series. What is what besides your brilliant books, which I use that one right there. I use Thank that one a lot you. in class. Yoga where you are. And then what's see that? See the hair matches the the, the <laughs> it does. The, face the, the font. This is these are decisions. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> Wait, oh, I think your I think your other book is hiding behind my um, RBG yeah. uh, action figure. Oh, fantastic! My, yeah, I have action figures on my window too. Yeah. Oh, 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 I love it! Um, I have Prince and Freddie Mercury. Oh yes. Um, uh, what book would you recommend to folks? I recommend, um, what am I just, let me open my, oh, join my phone, yeah, let me open, uh, if you just want to have a read, a summer read where you don't need to think about anything and you're looking for just a little break from the constant um, turmoil, which is the world, they're making it to a movie right now, it's where the, where the Crawdaddies Sing, have you seen that? Oh, yeah, I read that, I read that book. I really enjoyed that as something that was completely and utterly entertaining. It was forced on me, but then I ended up being entertained by it. I've heard the movie like, is not so great. By oh, way. yeah. So I probably won't see the movie. When I read the book, I tend not to see the movie because then my feelings are really hard because I'm like, uh, yes. is that what we're doing? Yes. Is that what are, happened? <laughs> that's how you is interpreted that? that? Um, yeah, I feel like it? I know the answer to this next one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are you, uh, are you hopeful for the future? I'm trying to be hopeful. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. really, really trying. That's where I am. I'm trying. My husband keeps telling me because I have these death, these awful conversations with him every day. I'm sure when we go on our walk today, he's going to be like, <laughs> Diane, I know you're very concerned about everything that's going on in the world, but your doomsday approach talking about <laughs> things is really going to start to upset the kids. So perhaps we could tell, I know he's going to say this to me on my walk. I can feel you're it because he doesn't usually want to go for a walk with me because I'm like, let's go for five whole K. And he's like, I was hoping just to walk around the block. I'm like, let's walk the hill. And he's like, it's not what I signed up for. I wanted to be out here for 20 minutes. And I'm like, you know, 90 minutes because it's summertime. You know, it's winter here a lot. So I always like to really get out there. So I know that when he agreed to go for a walk with me, he's going to give me that talk. But I would say I'm cautiously hopeful. I'm hoping that people are energized enough by the thought of everyone's rights being rolled back because yes. my I got into a fight with somebody who then slid into my DMs to educate me which I always oh. like sure you know what if you want to challenge me on stuff I'm here for it please yeah. like I'm good all right but um when I was talking to black women in general about taking up the fight I'm like we have been fighting for this has always been on our agenda our entire never not been a fight we've always been at the fight never we've not been a fight been a Right? Yeah. We've always been here. And I said to yeah. black women, you know what? Now that this affects white women too, all of a sudden they're all like, oh my God, we all have yeah. to band together. Yeah. Where have you been? Where mm -hmm. have you been? We've been asking for your help the whole time. And you've been like, well, it doesn't really affect me. So right. I don't write a check and <laughs> whatever I do. Now that it affects you, you need our help. And we're expected to just like hop to. We're all exhausted from trying to not get our kids murdered by the police, from marching for Black Lives Matter. We're really tired. So I wanted to Hello. say to Black women, 
They don't care about our uteruses. They're trying to keep people, they're trying to keep from becoming the numerical minority. So we can sit this one out and it's time for that 55 and 53% of women who voted for the monster to step up and, and take charge now. Like you really need to ask yes. yourself, how did I cause this harm and how can I undo it? Because this was not something we created. I'm just saying. 100%. Uh, all right, last question. Shit. You need to fix your own shit for once. <laughs> fix your own shit. La uh, last question. It's your fault. I like to say. <laughs> how are you? How are you taking care of yourself? Oh, I'm getting my uh, especially hair did. your nervous system. Yes, you do. Get my hair yeah. did. Get my nails did. Um, I usually go for a walk. I spend a lot of time walking, and I'm sure people are like, "What is she talking about?" Because I talk to myself. <laughs> oh, sometimes. I do that too. Right? I do that Have too. whole two more conversations. Oh my gosh! And then sometimes if I decide like I'm going to listen to music on my bike yeah. ride or my walk. I'm like right. having a concert and I'm yeah, doing like a yeah. meet and greet. Yeah, doing a meet Listen, and greet and all that stuff. I did a, I found a whole disco remix of Whitney's greatest yes. hits on Spotify. <gasps> yeah, I thought, I, like, yes, that's what I will favorite. share them. Like, these are all remixed. Yeah. Um, there's another yes. one. I do a remix of Donna Summer, who I think is highly underrated. I don't think she gets Very. the props that she deserves. Well, Donna and I love when people, I love when people call her Donna Summers. Is, is my personal favorite. I love right, when people it's do that. Summer. It's like singular. Um, all right, so Diane, if people want to uh, to connect with you and study with you or practice with you, where should they go? They should come to my website, Diane Two Ms, because I'm extra like that, right? DianeBondiYoga.com. Hold on, Diane with two Ns and an E, because she yes. is extra like that. Because I'm extra that's, like that. That's, that's all. I'm sorry. Go ahead, repeat it. Diane Bondi, two N's and an E, uh, yoga.com. You can find everything there. And I spend a hideous amount of time on Instagram. So you can also catch me there at Diane Bondi Yoga Official. Y'all, Diane's Instagram is so worth following because oh, it's, it's, it's informative. It's inspirational. At times, it's funny. It's, just, uh, oh, yeah. it's very educational on so many levels. Uh, you. Diane, you're going to hold tight there. And yes. all y'all, all y'all, I love that. All so many people that I interview, you know, don't live in the South, but listen, all y'all take care of yourselves, take care of each other, be kind when you can. And it turns out that that is a lot of the time. All right. <laughs> all right. So next time y'all, bye. Bye. Yay. Hey, Stephen Willard here. If you want to practice with me, there are lots of options available to you. Maybe not lots, but there are a few. There's a YouTube channel, There Once Was a Yogi. I have many practices up on that. Some are short, 10-15 minutes. Some are an hour. Some are vinyasa yoga. Some are yin yoga. Some are meditation. Perfect to fit into your schedule. If you want to take a live class with me and you don't live in the Charleston area, I teach primarily at Holy Cow Yoga Center. Charleston's longest running yoga studio. It might even be the longest running studio in the country. But holycowyoga.com, you can take any of my classes via Zoom. Or if you want to work with me one on one with yoga or meditation, shoot me an email. There once was a yogi at Gmail. Or DM me at you guessed it. There once was a yogi. Look forward to seeing you on your mat. <laughs>